Every last one of my favorite art teacher and stories comes courtesy of kindergarten. Never has a group of children kept me guessing more than this bunch of magic believers, mess makers, floor rollers, pants peers, joy bringers, and contagious giggling goobers. If it's one thing they never ever do, it's fail to surprise. One year, I had all of the wee ones sitting with me on the floor, and we were covering the colors of the rainbow. I had just introduced them to Roy G. Biv, which, by the way, if you want to fire up or poke that art teacher and bear, just ask a group of art teachers about their thoughts on Roy G. Biv. How did something so simple become so divisive? Regardless, I was covering Roy G. Biv with my kindergarten students, and I was doing, you know, a little song and dance review. I said, okay, y'all, R is for, and they all shouted, red. Yes, O is for, orange. Obviously, you know the rest, so I won't bore you covering the whole thing. However, when we got to V, the kids were stumped. It was like when I try to explain to my coworkers that I actually have a curriculum to follow and Pinterest crafts for Mother's Day ain't in it. They just sat there scratching and tilting their heads, much like their classroom teachers. Hmm. Come on, guys, is what I said. What's a color that looks like purple but starts with the letter B? Still, crickets. Finally, this little artsy redhead raised her hand and she excitedly said, oh, oh, oh. Now this gal, her mama is an artist. She's a jewelry designer. So I thought if anybody is going to know the answer to this one, it's going to be her. Looks like Annie's got it. Okay, tell us what color looks like purple, but starts with a V. Straightening her back, To sit nice and tall, clearing her throat, Annie waited a beat to ensure that she had everybody's attention. And then, as loud and proud as can be, she said, Vagenta. Holy crap, what? Look, y'all, I don't know what Vagenta is, but if you've got it, I would recommend getting yourself to the OBGYN stat because I'm pretty sure they make a cream for that. Now, the kids, seeing my jaw-dropped appearance and my bulging eyes, mistook my silence for approval, and then they all started saying, Vagenta, Vagenta. I suddenly awoke from my Vagenta, I can't even say that word without my hand sweating, induced coma, and I shouted, It's Violet, you guys, Violet, not not that other word. Say it with me, Violet. Did I mention that kindergarten likes to keep me on my toes? Like my tippy toes, y'all. The story doesn't exactly end there, but I'll share Vagenta, the sequel, sometime soon. But for now, let's talk about kindergarten. In particular, let's talk about those first days in art with kindergarten. I don't know how kindergarten operates in your school, but in ours, they start the week after the rest of the school. The kindergarten teachers, they do a lot of testing and showing the students around the school during that first week. So on the second week, they hit the ground running with their very first day of school being a full day, complete with a visit to specials class, 
side note, in my school, um, we call specials, the specials classes are music, PE, art, and library, because let's face it, we are special. Now, imagine that you're five years old. You've never been away from your mama for more than a couple of hours, let alone an entire day of school. You're introduced to so many new things, a teacher, a classroom, the cafeteria, the bathroom, the playground, and more. You're taught no fewer than 27 different routines for getting off the bus, walking down the hall, where to put your backpack, how to wait your turn at the drinking fountain, and so on. And then you leave your teacher, the one who has become your mama for the last couple of hours, and you're dropped off with another teacher. Now you're confused, maybe sad, definitely tired, always hungry, and of course, you have to pee. Because you're five, and your bladder is literally the size of a pea, as opposed to your teacher's bladder, which is like the size of a seedless watermelon. With all of those thoughts in mind, do you really think that this kindergartner is going to be ready to hear your rules and routine spiel? Heck nah. Trust me when I tell you that just getting them in your room and sitting on the floor is a mind-blowing challenge, and most of y'all know that. You ever see those videos of folks trying to clean the panda house at the zoo while the pandas are just going nuts, messing up all their work? The poor, poor zookeeper. Yeah? Well, that's like us with kindergarten. And for that reason, my first days in art with kindergarten, they looked totally different than my first days with all the other grade levels. So today I thought I would share with you what my first days of art with kindergarten looks like, the artwork we create on those first days, and a little more. So let's first kick it off with just talking about getting them in the art room, because that alone is a challenge in itself. With kindergarten, assume nothing, teach everything. After I greet my kindergartners at the door, I ask one of them to hold the door for us to enter, and I remind them that they are simply the door holder, not the uh, class high-fiver as all of the kids walk in. And I also have to tell the kids, as you pass by the door holder, you can smile at them because that's a great way to say thank you. No need to hug on them and love on them or high-five them as you do. And as they enter my art room, I have that line of tape on the floor that I've talked about before that is usually an indicator for my other classes, not only how to get into my room, but mostly for them to stand on as they line up to leave. That tape line comes in really handy, though, for my kindergarten kids as it creates a path for them to follow as they enter. The wee ones need visuals, and the floor tape does a great job of providing just that. And once they've entered my art room, I explain to them how I have rows of tape on the floor. This is where the real mind bender for kindergarten comes in, because for some reason, they have a really tough time understanding coming in, filling a row, take a seat on the floor. It's like almost comical. If you've ever taught kindergarten, and I know you guys have, then you totally know what I'm talking about. I explained to them that they're going to stay in line, walk down the line of tape, fill in the first row, sit crisscross facing me. Sounds simple. (laughs) 
just try making it happen on that first day. And once the first row is filled in, then I do the same routine with the second row and the third row. And sometimes this takes a binge. You know, they're a little bit chatty. They're curious about my room. They're inquisitive as to what's going on. And always, always, inevitably, one of them is going to say, are we painting today? To keep the chatter at bay and so that I can get them in my room and seated, I just kind of ignore the chatter, bypass the questions, otherwise I'll be answering them all day long, and instead I just dole out that praise like Halloween candy to trick-or-treaters. I'm like, wow, look at the first row. You're doing amazing. What an incredible group of kindergartners you are. I can tell you're going to be amazing artists. Now let's see who's sitting so nicely, hands in their laps. Look at you guys. You are all incredible. And without them even knowing it, I've just introduced them to the expectations and routines for entering the art room and for sitting on the floor. The kindergarten teachers at my school send students on the first day with name tags, which is so amazingly helpful. And if your classroom teachers don't do this, then I would recommend having a class list on hand or maybe just politely requesting some name tags. Next up, we do introductions. And this is where I introduce call and response. I tell my students, I'm going to clear my throat, and it's going to sound like this. <clears throat> and whenever I clear my throat, I want you to clear yours. It'll sound the same. Let's try it. <clears throat> and then they do that. And then you're going to say and do whatever I say and do. Let's do it. <clears throat> my art teacher, and they repeat this, her name is Mrs. Stevens. And I go through my name in a variety of voices and ways, having them repeat it after me a couple of times, just so they understand how to say my name, who I am, and exactly what it is I will be teaching them this year. And from there, if this is all sounding vaguely familiar, this part of my routine is a lot like what I do with all of my classes on the very first days of art. I do a very similar routine in that I greet each student. I'll say, hello, Jane, and I will prompt them to say, hello, Mrs. Stevens. The only exception here is, is that I don't go through my routine of asking them a question. I just want to make sure that I've said their name correctly, they know how to say my name correctly, and then we move on. Now, I do introduce them to two classroom management tools on that first day. After our introductions, I share with them my happy sad board, which I've got a podcast episode about, and my open and close sign, which you can hear more about, and the episode titled Top 10 Classroom Hacks. I share the happy and sad board because it allows me to immediately reinforce my expectations. If you're sitting correctly and being a really good listener, I make lines under the happy face. If you're not doing the right thing, then I have to make lines under the sad. That's a bummer, so let's see if we can make this board happy. I see a first row that looks great. I'll add a tally mark. I see a second row that looks awesome. I'll add another line. I see friends with their hands in their laps, and you get the idea. Any behaviors on that first days that you wish to really reinforce you better believe that that happy and sad board is going to have your back. Now, 
as y'all know, once kids start raising their hand and telling you that their tummy hurts or that they miss their mama, that that epidemic becomes more contagious than herpes. So I hear. For that reason, I right quick explain the open and close sign so that my students understand what a listening time is and what it will look like. They are to be quiet, have quiet thoughts in their minds, and focus on the words that are coming out of my mouth. Introducing both of these classroom management tools not only makes it so my students further understand my expectations, but it also makes it so we can dive right in to art making on that very first day. And that's when I introduce line sculptures. I've been doing line sculptures on the very first day of art with kindergartners for the last million years. Like when the dinosaurs were in my room, kindergarten class, they were roaming the earth. T-Rex made a bananas line sculpture. I'm not even kidding. This lesson is the bomb. Recently, somebody asked me if I ever get tired of doing some of the same projects over and again. No. I mean, when you find a lesson that you enjoy teaching, where all of your students have a great time, and best of all, each child is successful, you stick with it. And such is the story of line sculptures. Now you can find a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel of which you should subscribe just because I drop videos a couple of times a week. Um, You can find a whole bunch of videos of me not only teaching my kindergartners about line sculptures, but also explaining how I teach it to you. So if you're interested and you need a visual, I would definitely recommend you hopping over to my YouTube channel. It has the really creative name of Cassie Stevens, much like this podcast. But I'm going to go through it real quick here, too. So supplies that you're going to need. All students will need a paper for the base of their paper sculpture. This could be construction paper or white drawing paper. I like to use whatever I have an excess of. I usually cut the paper into 12-inch squares but that's just because I like the look of a square for the project. I've also been known to cut paper into large circles and have them use that as their base and tie it all in to dot day. I mean, really, the options are pretty limitless as far as the base goes. Strips of paper is something else you're going to need. Again, I do a lot of paper recycling in my room. I have like this leave no paper behind kind of mentality. And for that reason, when I cut paper into the one inch strips for the sculptures, I try to use papers from my scraps stash. Most of these strips are cut into one inch by nine inch, but the length can really vary. In fact, if you have some that are longer or shorter, it'll really lend to a variety in the kids' sculpture. Trays for paper strips. I keep a large tray of the paper strips right in the middle of the table for all of the students to reach and grab. Those lids off of Xerox copy boxes make for great trays. And of course, if you've never heard my rant about glue, whew, boy, aren't you in for a good time. Um, I also have glue cups, glue brushes sitting on a styrofoam tray. I do not like glue bottles, y'all. I especially don't like using them with the younger set. So for that reason, I have my glue cup, which is like a plastic cup with a lid. I think mine are a Ziploc brand. 
and I fill it with maybe a quarter inch of glue at the bottom. I have one of those really junky brushes from the Dollar Tree for applying the glue and a styrofoam tray because the glue cup never leaves the tray. And I have one tray in between every two students. Here's how I go about introducing the very first project to my kindergarten students. There's a lot of song and dance, there's a lot of theatrics, and that's how I really manage. That's just my way of capturing my students' attention. I begin letting the kids know that today we will be creating a sculpture, and then we dive into the call and response. So I'm going to share with you what I say to them. Anytime you hear me pause, that's when my students would be ideally repeating after me. A sculpture is a work of art that you can see all the way around. And from there, I share with them that a sculpture has a base or a place to stand. Their base is going to be their paper. They will be using the strips of paper to construct their sculpture. I tell them that the strips of paper are not going to be placed flat on the paper because if we glue them flat, that would be something called a collage, and we are making a sculpture. In order to get their sculpture to stand, it must have feet, just like us. But how are we going to give it feet? Well, we have to call our friend the pinching parrot. A pinching parrot. In comes my hand, making like a quacking duck motion. If you give your pinching parrot a voice, have it squawk at you or the kids, you ham it up a bit, you'll have their attention and, even better, you'll get them to retain the process steps. I show them how the pinching parrot will pinch one side of the strip of paper and then the other side, and this creates feet for their sculpture to stand. And then that's when I ask them, but how will I get my sculpture to stand on the base? They all shout glue. It's here that I pause to explain my glue system. I tell them that the glue is kept in a glue cup and applied with a glue brush. The glue cup is to always stay on the tray and there to share it with their art neighbor, the friend who sits beside them. I show them how to dip their brush into the glue and I tell them this. If the glue starts to drip, wipe it on the lip. And I share with them that the cup, that rim, is called the lip of the cup. And then I say, but not these lips, pointing to the lips on my face. This gets a lot of giggles, and I have them repeat this after me a couple of times. What this does is really reinforce the notion that we only use a little bit of glue. We don't need to be drizzling it all over our artwork like toaster strudel frosting. And in case you're wondering, I've never actually had a kid wipe glue on their lips in an attempt to be funny. Although, there might have been a couple times that I would actually suggest it if I thought it would actually stick. Just kind of kidding. Now, I tell them the glue is to be painted on the bottom of the paper's feet. Oh, that tickles, I say as I apply the glue to the bottom of the quote feet. Sorry, I say in response. Oh, that's so cold, I say as I finish putting glue on the bottom of the other foot. Being silly like this really works wonders with all of my classes, but especially kindergarten friends. Also, this helps them remember just where to place the glue. So from there, we talk about just where to place the arch line. 
I let them know that in art class, they have to make a bunch of artistic choices and they get to decide as to what is going to happen on that masterpiece they're creating because they are the artist. I place my glued um, paper strip on my paper and we count to 10 really slowly just so they understand that they have to give their glue enough what we call, quote, grab time. 10 seconds gives that glue enough grab time to attach itself to your paper sculpture. And now we have the beginning of a sculpture. And once I'm done demoing one piece, I do a call and response to cover the process just one more time. And I run through the steps from top to bottom. This time I share with them that their second and third strip of paper can be placed on top, beside, next to, underneath, stepping onto the previous strips of paper. Now, did I mention that my kindergarten classes are 30 minutes? Yeah, so with all of that being said, my students have about 10 minutes of work time on that very first day. And you know what? That's fine. It's their first day. At least they get a taste of getting to their seats, working with their friends, and creating. And here's how I dismiss them to their seats. I grab a stack of paper bases, and as I place one in a seat, I will call a student over. I let them know that the moment they sit down, they can start creating. This takes maybe two minutes to get all of the kids in a seat and working. And from there, I walk around from table to table, greeting them, asking them how they're doing, but most importantly, writing their names on the back of their paper. And I do this for them so that they can spend as much time as possible on that first day creating. And they absolutely love it. I love it too. The whole time they're working on these sculptures, you will hear them say things like, oh, that tickles, or wipe it on the lip, but not these lips, or counting to 10, or calling their pinching parrot. They are so stinking happy, and it brings me so much joy to give them that gift on the very first day, to give them that impression of what creating is like on the first day. Now, 10 minutes later at the end of art class, I ring my chime and I tell them that we are going to be sculpting some more next time. Now, I tell them we're about to play a little game of Simon Says. I lead them through Simon Says until all of their glue cups are covered, all of their sculptures are on the floor up against the wall so they can dry, and all of them have lined up ideally, quietly, more than likely, a little chatterily-ish. That's a new word. Write it down. Now, did I cover rules on this first day? No. Did I go over my cleanup procedures? Heck no. My cleanup procedures is not a round of Simon Says. All of that, that's yet to come. What I did cover are a ton of routines as well as get them working and creating right away. They leave my room having had a wonderful time and feeling successful in art. Rules, consequences, procedures, and more, they're all going to be covered eventually. I like to ease my young artist into my expectations so as not to overwhelm them. I'll be covering more of what that looks like 
once I figure out how to get Crayola to manufacture that Vagenta crayon. Oh, speaking of which, Vagenta, the sequel, as promised. So believe it or not, that very afternoon, I go down to the downtown where I teach. I teach in like what is like a Mayberry-esque town. It's a precious town of Franklin, Tennessee. And I go down to the local post office. And who do you think is standing in line right in front of me but Lil Miss Annie's dad? And I kind of know him. I mostly am familiar with the mom because she's kind of artsy and we, we have like a relationship and we've chatted before. But I thought, oh, here's the dad. I have got to tell him the Vagenta story. And, you know, it was a little awkward because he's a dude, but mm, I went for it anyway. Ran through the whole story from top to bottom and I am crying laughing. You know who's not laughing? Dad. Oh, yeah. He's staring at me with like, a deadpan expression, giving me nothing. And he just says, huh. And that's it. And I'm horrified. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, why did I, I mean, I even told him the line about the OBGYN and the cream. Yeah, that's how far I went. I was terrified that I'd offended him or or something in some way. And not until years, I'm talking years later, did I bump into the mom at the post office of all places. And I said to her, oh my gosh, I have to apologize. I know this is really old. I know it happened a million years ago, but I told your husband this story and I started to recreate the story for her. And she stopped me and she said, oh my gosh, I know this story. My husband loves this story. He tells it at every Thanksgiving and thinks it's the most hilarious thing ever. Yeah. So once again, kindergarten, thank you. Thank you for keeping me constantly on my toes. And if you haven't had kindergarten in your room yet this year, brace yourselves. Winter is coming. Talk to y'all soon.